Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff, Uh, because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, a lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I am joined by Stefan J. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Do I sound different? You sound about the same. Are oh. you not feeling the same? No, we're coming back from, from VidCon. Right. After VidCon, every, everything yeah. has changed. Thousands of children coughing all over me <laughs> all weekend. What's your tagline? Uh, leaky nose holes. Mm, sorry about that. <laughs> Stay over there. <laughs> Sam Schultz is also here. Hello. Sorry you have to spend all this time next to Stefan. Oh, that's okay. I think I'm probably also sick, but right. I'm still, you know, stronger. <laughs> <laughs> What's your tagline? No no juice. No juice. Whoa. Mm-hmm. We're low on juice. Mm-hmm. Sari, how are you doing after VidCon? I'm okay, but now I'm worried because I sat next to Sam and Stefan on the plane. Are you weak or strong? I don't know. I think I'm strong, but okay, probably cool. just mentally, and then I'm going to collapse. <laughs> What's your tagline? Vegetable ennui. And I'm Hank Green. I have no more space in my whole head. It all filled up. <laughs> you Whoa. need the more gigabytes or whatever. I need some more gigabytes. Some RAM I need or an something. expansion drive. <laughs> yeah. External hard drive, yeah. just like... Plug it in your butt. <laughs> Plug it in my butt. <laughs> and my tagline is hot, hot MSG water. <laughs> Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up amaze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, and we're also playing for Hank Bucks. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but if you go off on a tangent, 
and we all deem it unnecessary or unworthy, we will dock you one of your Hank Bucks. We even make you go negative. Now, as always, we introduce this week's science topic with a traditional science poem. It's from me. How do we rise and bloom? How do we survive? How do we respirate, photosynthesize, and thrive? This poem is from the perspective of plants. How do we retain the water even though there is no trace? We must capture everything we can and store it just in case. This land is not of plenty, but we're built to endure. If it's possible, we'll do it. Of that, you can be sure. We can last, but not forever. So we say to this terrain, give us that precipitation, give us that rain. It's a good poem, and it has to have a parenthetical in the middle. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> I meant to say it in the beginning. That was much better there. The topic of the day is deserts. All right, Sari, what's a desert? Seems like most scientists define deserts as areas that have an annual precipitation of less than 250 millimeters per year. And so that's like 10 inches. So there's just like a scientific oh. cutoff. Here in Missoula, we have 350 millimeters of oh. rain a year. Oh. So we're pretty we close. We just squeaked right in there. It's pretty pretty dry oh. here. Yeah. So it's just like very little water falling. So or it's, the... it's really that. That's the thing. It's the amount of water. Because you hear like Antarctica is a desert. And you don't think it's like water, water everywhere, right? Yeah. So just icy. It's just icy. Yeah. It's all trapped within the ice. Mm -hmm. There are different types of deserts. Mm. Subtropical deserts have to do with air circulation. The Sahara Desert is a subtropical desert. So like wind makes it hot. Coastal deserts are where air blowing towards shore produces fog, but not rain. So mm -hmm. it's like doesn't create precipitation, even though it might be humid. Mm -hmm. It's just rainless. And then that's considered a desert. So like the Atacama Desert on the shores of Chile is a coastal desert. But oh, it could I know be like a thing or two about the Atacama. We'll find out. Rain shadow deserts are like behind a mountain. That's right. what we're in. Yeah. Death Valley is one of those too. Wait, so we're in a desert right now? We're not. No. Okay. But that's why we have little precipitation because we're gotcha. in a rain shadow. Yeah, rain shadow effect happens anywhere there are mountains around. Mm. Just like more rain on one side, less rain yeah. on the other. Idaho's all wet. It gets all of our wet. Mm -hmm. And then we're over here we being like, it. my nose is bleeding. What's the deal with all the sand? Where is that coming from? Not all deserts have sand. Uh -huh. So sand happens, as far as I can tell, geologists might have more information than this. But when the, like, the nutrient-rich topsoil goes away, then mm -hmm. what's left is like rocky chunks, mm -hmm. and then that's sand, and they just get eroded down into smaller and smaller bits. Okay. Sand is the absence of dirt, basically. In a right. Way. Sand, is, yeah. sand is just like dry, bad dirt. Okay. <laughs> and it's heavy, uh -huh. too, so right. it'll like it's stick around. That, stays, that doesn't ah. get blown away. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. There's no like vegetative parts to sand mm. the way mm -hmm. it is to soil. A lot of soil is right. like decomposing stuff. Yeah. Okay. A lot of sand is quartz-based, so it's like uh, silica. Just mm -hmm. tiny rocks. According to research or like media speculation, I don't know how much is what because I didn't read extensively. <laughs> the world is running out of sand now that we have uses for sand mm -hmm. and even just probably moving it around for construction sites. I don't right. know. It's yeah. like a have good weight for things and people are like, ah, sand's free. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> grab it. But it just takes so long to make. And now uh -huh. that humans are moving it from place to place, mm -hmm. we have a problem. Snag some of those sandy asteroids. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like you can make sand. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You just got to take some rocks and hit them against each other. Yeah. Whack, <laughs> whack some rocks. And now it's time for... 
One of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is real. The rest of us have to guess or determine through what we already know which one is the real fact. If we get it right, we get a Hank Buck. If we don't, Sam gets it. And then I maybe, in that case, I will no longer be tied anymore. Yeah, then you're screwed. So the Atacama Desert, which we talked about earlier, is in Chile, and it's one of the driest places in the world. I wrote this before I knew the definition of a desert, but the next sentence is generally receiving just a few millimeters of rain uh, every oh, year. that's very dry. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it has to. So it's so dry that it shares a lot of similarities with Mars and is often used as a Mars stand-in to test Mars-bound rovers, tools, and experiments. However, in 2015 and again in 2017, the desert experienced its first significant rainfall in as much as 500 years. Whoa. And that led to a very unexpected outcome. So, Ooh. what happened when it rained in the Atacama Ooh. Desert? Ooh, I, I, can I make a guess? No. Wait, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, if you say something and it's one of the answers. Yeah, don't say it. One, thin, blade-like ice formations, some as tall as 16 feet, what? formed in the cold desert night. Ooh. Two, the rain killed 80% of native microbial life. <sighs> Three, the rain unearthed a tiny, mysterious skeleton thought by some to be an alien. (laughs) (laughs) Blades of ice, 16 what's tall? RMT again. Thin, blade-like ice formations, some as tall as 16 feet, formed in the cold desert night. The rain killed 80% of native microbial life, or the rain unearthed a tiny, mysterious skeleton that some people thought was an alien. Mm, I mean... The most believable thing is that some people thought something was an alien. Because mm-hmm. every time something is unearthed... It could be an alien. alien. It's an easy first thing to guess. Yeah, I don't recognize this, so it must be an alien. Yeah, someday we'll be right. Probably not on Earth. We probably won't find a thing on Earth and then... I don't I feel like this is a dangerous like Maybe. line of inquiry to head down. It seems like a tangent waiting to happen. <laughs> Are we going to talk about no. whether aliens have showed up it. here? Because no. that seems like a bad idea. We won't talk about aliens. By now, those people have stormed Area 51 and we'll know <laughs> if they're real or not. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would have seen pictures of thin blade-like ice 16 feet tall. Sam's very good know. at finding things that we should have seen, though. That's true. <laughs> should have in quotes. True. How, did anyone fight with them? Like no. like two people grabbed, each grabbed a blade? Oh. Maybe at some point in some prehistory, kind of, some okay. kind of giant blade battle. 500 years ago, last time it happened? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I imagine that the blades are very thin, like needle ice or something, because I'm imagining What's this... What's needle ice, Harry? <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I don't know. I can't Google it to make sure this is like right. back of the brain. Mm-hmm. That's not where knowledge is stored anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the old stuff is. Deep in the brain hole, <laughs> dusting it off. There's some sort of like frost flower, needle ice. They're all mm. ice made from ice being extruded out of wood or soil or something. Ah, so it like freezes yeah. and then expands and then like mm-hmm. poops out a little sh- like shape. Yeah. yeah. And mm. so I could see something like water soaking into the ground and then being squeezed out through the holes in between the sand. Right, and then, like, the bad guy holds you over it as it slowly grows into your chest. <laughs> yeah. Do deserts get colder than other places at night? Deserts yeah. do get cold, yeah, for it sure, because, seems- like, less water in the air means that so- it holds on to less heat. And Chile's cold. cold. Yeah, it a seems lot of like a cold, cold. country. Yeah. Yeah. Ice blades. Sounds real to me. Stefan likes ice blades. I've We haven't talked at all about native microbial life. This mm-hmm. one seems by far the least interesting, which makes it appealing uh, to me. Yes. Oh, <laughs> microbes are hardy, though. It's true. But and they're they hardy have... in the circumstances they're designed for mm-hmm. or they evolved yeah. for. And which is this, wa- is, this would be a whole new one. No. 
Because these ones are desert microbes. Yeah. I agree with Hank. I think oh. they're desert. I think they're dry microbes. And they got wet and they couldn't breathe. They're yeah. like, I'm drowning. I'm yeah. drowning. Uh, uh, it's like it's like when you when leave you your uh, cornflakes in milk for too long. Yeah. I'm going with number two. That rain killed all those microbes. Also same. You know what? I'll go with the alien. What? Let's do Ooh, it. Go with the alien. It's totally switched. Uh, no more what? ice blades. You know what, guys? That water killed all those microbes. No. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, the rain happened and the scientists went out. They thought that there would be like an explosion of life. Mm -hmm. They took a sample. They had previously known about 16 varieties of microbes that lived in this dirt. Mm -hmm. They only found four varieties. (gasps) And it killed like completely all the other varieties of microbes from something that they called osmotic shock, which I guess is microbes having too much water. Is that what it is? The balance of water being bad for them. Yeah, it just like popped them. Just Probably drowned. because, like, oh. it might be a salt thing, too. There might be, like, mm-hmm. a lot of salt inside of them when they have fresh water on mm-hmm. them. And it, like, sucked all the water out of their insides. Popping them. Or like... pulled all the water into them and popped them. Right. That's yeah. pulled that water sense. into them. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So since they study it like they study Mars, some scientists think that this event should help, should, like, recontextualize how we look for life on Mars. Because oh. they're very similar, like, um, chemical properties to the dirt there that there are on Mars with lots of nitrates from previous bodies of water, they think. Mm -hmm. And the microbes live in that area. So they've sent, like when the Viking lander went, it was researching in those areas and it was trying to cultivate Martian bacteria by putting water on them. Mm -hmm. But they think that it's possible that by putting water on it, on Mars, they just killed all the microbes that could have potentially been there. Hmm. So there might be a better way to go do it that isn't just put water on everything. Uh, So the other two are also things that were found in the Atacama Desert. Exactly. Mm. So aliens. Ice blades are colloquially called penitent snow because they look like if you see them, they look like a bunch of praying priests, like mm-hmm. kneeling sort of is what the thought is. And there's snow formations that grow in the Andes, which is adjacent to the Atacama Desert. Um, I think they must be blades because the wind might whip through them. Right. So like snow comes and then like the wind goes through and yeah. erodes the snow. Yeah. But they grow in super high and super dry places. And they're really, really hard to get to. But I think last year there was some researchers who went up there and found some of that pink snow bacteria that Mm. pink snow fungus or whatever it is growing on them and they said something about how that meant there could be life on mars too they're always looking for life on mars things (laughs) in the atacama desert and the last one is the tiny skeleton the skeleton was found in a ghost town and these i guess it was just like on display somewhere and a rich person bought it brought it to america i think and did some dna testing on it to see what it really was and it turned out to be a human fetus that was about 40 years old and it had the skeletal structure of like a four-year-old child, but it was a fetus. Wild. I'm looking at a picture of it, I think. It looks like an alien for Mm -hmm. sure. But it was just like a mummified fetus that had some kind of... Abnormality. Yeah, that made it extra bony. Yeah, I mean, if you showed me that thing... If I was, like, walking through the desert and I saw that, I'd be like, oh. Really scared. I have found an alien. (laughs) Yeah. And I need to call someone important to come look at this alien for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm a fairly skeptical person. But that's definitely an alien-looking thing. When I first saw it, I was like, there's no way that's not fake. But you're telling me that it's actually a human human DNA? I mean, there were, like, Eureka Alert papers about them finding DNA that corresponded to a lot of different 
birth defects and stuff that you can still find today. All right, well, now you guys know everything about the Atacama Desert. More importantly, we didn't get fooled by your lies. No. Yeah, I like the ice blades, though. They're really pretty. I want to look at the pictures of them. We'll put them up on the... Yeah, they uh, look really cool. SciShowTangents.org. Next up, we're going to take a short break, and then the fact off. SciShowTangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Welcome back, everybody. Hank Buck totals. Sarah's got one. Stefan's got nothing. And Ooh. I've got two. So I'm still tied with you. Because mm. you got one. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's right. Now it is time for the fact off. Two of our panelists have brought in science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow our minds. We each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that we like the most. It's Stefan versus Sari. And we're going to go by who most recently had a drink of water. Ooh, I've been drinking water all pod. Yeah, I drank before, but I left my water bottle upstairs. All right. Stefan goes first. Ooh. I'm so hydrated. I'm always worried I'll have to pee halfway through. Mm, I do have to pee. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. In the desert of Australia, there is a species called Moloch horridus, and it's called the thorny devil. And it's a super thorny lizard. And it looks super cool because it's like completely covered in these like thorns that look very much like plant thorns to Mm -hmm. me, like a rose bush thorns or something. And it holds its tail in the air, which is kind of cute. Stefan, for his fact, found a cute. So its skin is super thorny and super rough, but hidden in that roughness is kind of another feature that helps it survive in the desert. And so it basically has these ridges or grooves in its skin along the, its entire body. And if water ends up on its body anywhere, it gets drawn through the grooves through capillary action Whoa. straight to its mouth. Oh, what the heck? Whoa. And so it can just be like... No, that's great. Just stand in there and oh, water like gets drawn that. straight to its mouth. Its whole body is like one of those hats that have straws coming down. <laughs> it's like a still suit, but like on the outside. I was thinking about like, do would I want this ability? But no, because uh, as soon as no, you stepped in like a muddy water. puddle. Yeah, or like, like oh. all your body's not super clean. Yeah. Uh, all your butt water gets buttoned <laughs> up, <laughs> up to your mouth. It's like, no, no. You gotta keep your butt very dry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Never use a bidet. (laughs) Oh, no. It would squirt right in there. During the morning, it brushes up against grass. 
grass and like tries to get dew to mm. fall on it. I assume like having the rough skin and the thorns helps with this, but like water will condense on its body overnight and it can drink from, from that. And if it rains, it can just suck up water from anywhere on its body. Mm. Uh, so that's my fact. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it too. <laughs> what do you got? Sorry. I don't have anything nearly as cute. <laughs> um, that's not what it's about. It's not about cute, Sari. It's about science. Mind-blowing facts. Mm-hmm. In the center of one of King Tut's pectoral jewelry pieces, there's a scarab made from unusual yellow-green glass. It's called mm. Libyan Desert Glass, and it's estimated to be between 28 and 29 million years old. Whoa. And this is actually just one of hundreds of fragments of this glass that's scattered across the Sahara Desert near the border of Libya and Egypt, which is sort of weird. And chemically, glass is an amorphous solid. This is like my parenthetical in the middle of this fact. It's formed when a compound like silica, which is a big part of sand like we talked about earlier, gets melted into a liquid and then cooled really rapidly so no crystalline structure can reform. Mm -hmm. Instead of a crystal, it's just kind of globby in there. And that means that the sand in this portion of the desert had to get really hot, mm-hmm. like temperatures above 1600 Celsius mm-hmm. at some point. And how that happened. I is... know how it happened. There was a giant space magnifying glass. Mm, yeah. The aliens, they just had a magnifying glass uh-huh. and then they dropped it and then it shattered. And then that's the oh, glass. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, they didn't use it to heat up the sand. No. <laughs> they just dropped their giant space oh. magnifying glass. Yeah. Yes. And they were like, dang it. <laughs> but how it actually happened is kind of a mystery. There oh. are two main hypotheses. One, there was an explosion in the atmosphere called an airburst, sure, yeah. which is like an asteroid or other object burning up and oh. releasing a lot of heat. The estimated strength to cause this much glass is 100 megatons, which is a unit usually used for nuclear weapons. So one Mm -hmm. megaton is one million tons of TNT. The nuclear bomb dropped on Hiroshima was 15 kilotons. So this is hypothetically like 6,667 times that worth of explosion. Is that like what happened in Russia with the... Yeah, that's like 50 megaton, I think. So that's one hypothesis. The second hypothesis is a meteor that crashed into the desert, created an impact crater and melted a bunch of sand. Mm. And that's all now covered in sand or something, so we can't see it? Yeah, and so as of now, scientists are leaning towards the second one, like the meteor impact, because they found evidence of a mineral called... I think it's pronounced redite in some glass fragments, which only forms during meteorite impacts. And I couldn't find Mm. an exact reason why, Mm. but I think pressure makes sense. So like you need the heat plus the like the boom Mm -hmm. of the pressure. And then it reverts into zircon, which is a mineral that's found in a lot of rocks and we used to date Mm. old things. Mm -hmm. But even with that evidence of this one particular mineral in this glass, we have lots of questions like, where is the crater? How big is it? Because we haven't found any edges of it or transition zones that you would normally be able to see. And scientists just have no idea. They're like, this is a giant mystery. We know this glass exists. Mm -hmm. We know a lot of it exists, but we don't know. spread all over the place, which is wild. Mm -hmm. So over the millions of years of -hmm. geologic time, which isn't like that Mm -hmm. It's long for humans, but not in the grand scheme of the earth. In a non-desert environment, you'd have that stuff being transported by water. Mm -hmm. And you'd lose a lot of that. It'd get buried really quick. But one of the nice things about deserts is that it actually allows for things to stick around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is why Antarctica is such a great place to find meteorites. There's very little precipitation. So they just sit there on the surface of the ice. So you can just go find them. Cool. Mm. Since it's only in that one place, does that mean that it's only from one event ever in the history of Earth that has ever happened. Mm -hmm. This is one event. 
however many million years ago. And there are other places in the world where glass has been formed from explosions. So Mm -hmm. like during the nuclear test in the United States, there was a type of glass that was formed. Is there other stuff made of that? Other jewelry and stuff made of that? Um, I think there are, there's evidence of tools made from it. So kind of like how people used obsidian as tools. Right. But I think you can buy it online. So that means there's some. That's only $36 on Etsy. It says rare Libyan glass meteorite impact glass. So it's $36, so it's not that rare. I'm just going to put it out there. King Mm -hmm. Tut would be embarrassed if he knew he was buried in something that only cost $36. Yeah. (laughs) He had a lot of gold on there, too. It was Mm -hmm. like a very fancy. I don't know why they didn't call it a breastplate. It was just like pectoral jewelry. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. When you said that, I was like, what does that mean? Like, I've never seen in modern times, I've never seen anything that I would say. Oh, pectoral jewelry. It's a nipple ring. Nipple clamps, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. We got lots of visual aids. Go to scishotangents.org to see all, like, weird lizards, good pectoral jewelry, <laughs> some Pokemon. Sure, I'll throw a couple Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just a surprise in there. I'll link to Bulbapedia. There's desert Pokemon, right? There's a camel, I think. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Beckins. Scrafty. Yeah, I guess. There's also... Cactuses. Oh, okay. More Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just excited we were talking about Pokemon because I know these things. I you you know. say you know it, but there's like 30 of them you guys haven't said. Trapinch. There's Johto, Hoenn, Those Sinnoh, are the re- regions. Nova, Kalos, Hank, hey, those are the countries Pokemon live in. <laughs> what the hell? I typed in desert Pokemon and that's what it told me. So we've got ancient mysterious desert glass versus butt bidet water siphoning thorn lizard. Very hard. Both of those are good. Well, I'm going to give my point to the lizard that can drink its own butt water. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also going to go with the thorn lizard. Sorry, Sari. That's okay. It's so cute and cool. (laughs) It could be a Pokemon. Thornizard. His move is butt water. <laughs> I feel like Thornizard is better than butt waterizard. It's only Red one Pokemon that ends with azard. But it's a lizard. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yep. <laughs> Even though Charizard appears to not be a lizard. He's a Wolverine. Charizard has hands. Yeah, Wolverines have two Ooh. legs and uh, and arm and little arms. No. Yeah. Dragons have arms and wings. Wyverns have don't no front all, arms. Don't dragons walk on all fours though? Yeah. Not Charizard. Well, they don't have to walk up. They just have... Wyverns <laughs> okay. only okay. have four limbs. Dragons have six. Oh, okay. He does have six. I think, think we need to... I think we should back a point. He's a... He's a... He's a <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sam, <laughs> Sam. for bringing up the Wyvern thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. This was not the place for Wyvern discussions. That's fine. <laughs> we why had a whole episode on dragons. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't we lose a point when we were talking about Pokemon earlier? I, don't know. I almost did it, but okay. then it came back again. All right. So I guess now it's time to ask the science couch. We've got some listener questions for our couch finally honed scientific minds and this is gonna be read for us by sam at the canadian giant asks how <laughs> deep can sand get in the how, desert how deep all the way down get? oh boy i well i bet there's a certain point at which the sand compresses itself and it no longer is sand it becomes sandstone oh, but not but, in, mm-hmm. not into glass no, no, not okay. Because you need heat. Because that would be amazing. We really just live on a glass orb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> surprise. Yeah. Surprise, we live on a glass ball. <laughs> hey, how deep it get? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sarah sign- worked so hard to I'm- try and figure out the answer to this question, and I think that we don't know. They say that we're running out of sand, but no one's ever tried to dig to the bottom of the desert. Yep. And no scientist cares. No scientist has ever gone out to the mm. desert with a shovel and been like, well, 
let's start digging and see how deep this baby yeah. goes. It seems like <laughs> the kind of question that people like me would be like, oh, important science. Yeah. Yeah. And scientists yeah. would be like, eh, who cares? It doesn't, doesn't really matter. matter. Yeah. <laughs> so I did learn a new word, an erg, E-R-G, oh. is what they call like any sort of sandy desert. Mm-hmm. It's also a dune sea or a sand sheet, I think are all variations on this. Uh-huh. But it's basically like a a big desert area that contains sand that gets blown around by wind and they can form big dunes or just be flat layers. And so I think they can extend anywhere from like a meter deep and then bedrock is right beneath it. Mm -hmm. So it's just like a very thin layer of sand to, I don't know, really tall dunes. So those are hundreds of meters high Mm -hmm. down to sandstone or bedrock or whatever is beneath it. Mm -hmm. But it seems like scientists are more interested in how sand moves. So I don't know, we've studied, for example, singing sand. That's when sand gets blown across it and creates sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so scientists are interested in that phenomenon. That sounds very cool. So yeah, so scientists are more interested in questions about sand as like an ecosystem, like how plants interact with sand or animals interact with sand or how sand interacts with itself mm-hmm. and, and moves around, how wind interacts with sand and causes different formations or erosion. And no one's just measuring how deep it is. There's also some indication that... In previous times, we've had far deeper dunes than we have now based on sandstone deposits. Yeah, I was reading about that, too. So in Utah, the Arches National Park, for example, is known for its big sandstone formations full Mm -hmm. of layered rock. And all that had to be sand. Covered in sand at one point. At some point, yeah, Yeah. and and be compressed. And so all of that was once sand at some point before it was sandstone. And now it is once again returning to sand. I feel like I ignored geology for a really long time because I was... There was some like piece of me that had placed it into like the less interesting science category, and I deeply regret it now. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you live in Montana, like when you grow up in Montana, you look at the sides of rocks like yeah. dug into the highway or like the mountains mm-hmm. or huge weird boulders just in the middle of the the like prairie for no reason. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know anything about any of it, but I <laughs> you, think about it a lot. You think about it all I go, the time. Ooh, cool rock. Yeah, <laughs> I grew up in Florida where there's no rock. Everything's just yeah wet swampy. Sponge. You got river rocks. You got other yeah. kind of rocks. No no river rocks in Florida. Yeah, here the bottom of the river is like beautiful, clean rock. In Florida, the bottom of the river is just like soft alligators. And a snake. Oh. A snake will <laughs> get you. Is the desert still spreading? Because I remember when I was younger, people talked about that all the time. That oh, the like desert. the desert was expanding yeah. and like cutting down stuff and the de- there was desert encroachment. I uh-huh. remember that too. I did read a little bit about desertification. So mm. that is... Uh, word to describe when you take like fertile land and it becomes a desert uh-huh. so i don't know how that happens exactly this is an agricultural science question hank might know more <laughs> but uh there's soil on top like c- kind of like what we were talking about with how deserts form in the first place like uh-huh. soil is nutrient rich and then if you sap all the nutrients out of that by replanting the same crop in the same yeah. place over and over mm-hmm. and over again you suck it all dry sand and then it becomes more sand like right that's a problem is overusing soil until it becomes yeah. more desert like mm-hmm. and i'm Guessing that the encroachment thing is just human civilization. We built cities and 
like the sand moves around and the sand blows. And mm-hmm. so I can imagine people like clearing out a space, building buildings, mm-hmm. and then the sand just naturally progressing. If you want to ask the Science Couch your questions, follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents. We will tweet out topics for new upcoming episodes. Thank you at Misplaced Vulcan, at Lil Von Wink, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions. Final scores! Sarah, you got one. I got two. Sam, because you made too many Pokemon <laughs> references, you have zero points. And Stefan ties me with two. Oh, wow. You're winning now, Ooh. officially. I'm officially winning. Take that. Fair. Shouldn't talk about Pokemon Congratulations. so much. Congratulations. How about that? <laughs> you. I'm, I appreciate you appreciating me. Take that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if you liked this episode and you want to help us out, it's easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. Helps us know what you like about the show, and it shows people, other people who might be interested in listening to it, more data about what the show is like. Also, we will be looking there for ideas for future episodes if you want to leave topic ideas. Second, tweet out your favorite moment from this episode so that I can like that tweet and also remember, ha, that was fun with my friends. That was great. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, you can just tell Tell people people about us. us. If you want to read more about any of the topics uh, today, you can check out scishowtangents.org to find links to our sources. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the awesome team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes, along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Von Giorno. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Dung beetles are known for rolling balls of poop around, and the ones that live in the desert have to step all over hot sand. So researchers experimented with one South African species and noticed that when the ground is hotter than 50 degrees Celsius, 122 degrees Fahrenheit, they hop up on their poop balls and preen their legs to cool down. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do that on the beach sometimes when I get real hot. A poop (laughs) You hop up on your poop ball? No, I just lick my feet. Oh, whoa! (laughs) You are just foul.